Hi, this is Brennan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we are talking about the most recent episode of Doctor Who called Extremis, uh, which aired this past Saturday night, or at least in the States it did. Uh, so, Adam, uh, why don't you begin with your take on the episode? My take was this was a case of Moffat pretty much doing most of the stuff he does well and doing it well, basically. He, uh, you know, I mean, it, I can find lots of logical nitpicks to make about it, but I'm, I don't really care to because I really enjoyed the episode. Now, you know, and I, I it was it was it was good and twisty and one of the compliments I'll give it there was one point midway through the episode where I thought okay he's kind of dragging things out and you know he's holding back information and I was just starting to get frustrated and that's when they dropped the thing about you know the random numbers and I was like okay so Great. what, what was, was like, the exact point where that happened when they were in that little when they were at CERN, when they were, you know, at the laboratory, okay. when all the scientists kind of revealed the random number thing, I was okay. just just around that point, I, you know, because we just had the point of the doctor having lost another opportunity to translate the book. And it's like, OK, how long are you going to keep hiding what's going on from us? And that was when he made the reveal. So I had a so I liked the episode. I had a similar feeling to you, but it was at a different point when they sort of revealed what it was, but they didn't mm -hmm. give you the complete picture yet. I was like, oh, no, oh, no, they've just um, basically said everything that's happened in the show ever is not real. <laughs> and I was like, that's that's like the worst twist in the world. Um, yeah. And then and and then it turns out, no, that's not what's going on. They're just th this is like the simulation version of Doctor Who that you're in. So I was like, OK, that's a that's really cool. I like that. But when it, when it first started dropped, I was like, "Oh no!" Like it was like it's all just a dream. But like the whole series is just a dream. And I was I was uh, I was starting I was like starting to get mad. I was starting to get like, "Oh oh, that, that's like no good." Um, yeah, but, yeah. But I really liked the twist, and and even I think even if it did end up being that, I thought it was all very well done. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I think I think you can go way off the rails with a Matrix type revelation. Which it's I pretty would, old hat at this point, yeah. so you need to do something fresh with it when you do it. Yeah, but but the way they did it, sort of having it be a simulation for a specific plot point that's coming up in the you know next two episodes, where there's yeah. this, this alien group that's planning an invasion, and this is sort of their dry run. They're 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 running through all the different scenarios because it's like the it's. The, it, you almost want to go more grand if you're going to go with like, why is the universe simulated? Like what's the, and this is, it's like a fairly petty reason to simulate reality, but it's mm -hmm. probably one of the few good reasons to do it. Um, so, yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing too, is usually when you have the, it's all a simulation, it's a case of, Oh, then the, then the character wakes up and they're back in the real world with this. The characters have been following the full episode were simulated people so it didn't have the thing of none of this matter because they all died <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and and i and i thought that the um the the way that the i don't know maybe maybe this is me after the fact adding this in because i know the reveal but i thought the whole episode felt a little bit off something didn't feel quite right about it from the beginning like everything from having all the guys of the vatican just show up not everybody of the vatican but the pope and and all his men show up at the yeah. uh, uh you know to talk to the doctor and then having them you know show up at bill's house during her date 
a lot of weird stuff happens in Doctor Who, but this felt very, I don't know, it just felt like a little much um, to the yeah. point where I was like, hmm, this episode feels a little strange. I don't, you know, like, like and, 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 and even little subtle things like Bill seemed a little bit more glamorous this episode to me somehow, like something about the way that she, before they even did the revelation, I was noticing this, like, and obviously she was on a date, so there's kind of a reason for it. But yeah. even the way she was, something about her delivery felt a little bit different, like the way that she was a little more serious or something this episode. And and so I I don't know, maybe I'm being way too charitable, but I, I kind of like to think that they were, they were trying to plant seeds of doubt about the reality yeah. of the whole thing. Well, here's here's my my thing that I picked up on, and I really, really hope they run with this. But, you know, the, the flaw I saw early on was that they were using a translator with the Pope and everyone was speaking Italian. But anyone that travels in the TARDIS or the TARDIS is nearby gets everything translated them oh, translated for right. them yeah. immediately. So it's like. You know, when the Pope came out of the room, it's like Bill should have been hearing him speaking in English because it would translate it. And, and you know, and, and I'm like, I, I thought that's really weird. I mean, I can't believe Moffat would screw that up. I mean, he's not the biggest guy for logical continuity, but he's a big enough Doctor Who fan. He should remember that. And, and that's a big thing. That's not like a minor thing to overlook at all. No, exactly. And the, you know, and here's the thing is, you know, we later find out that, Oh, the aliens have built this simulation to try and study the weaknesses and everything based on all the information they have. And I thought, oh, the aliens don't know that the TARDIS can translate. And so uh, if there's it would be great if at some point in the next episode or so that becomes a plot point in some one of his plans where the, their inability to know that he can actually instantly have anything translated that's a really you know? good idea. yeah i like that I, I, I hopefully you're right i do hope you're right because i i number one the doctor he got the full recording of everything that the uh that the what would we call them, the simulation doctor saw so yeah i i think that that would um uh i think that would be really cool because it's definitely feasible he definitely has access to that information that he could exploit it i think sure i have to i'd have to go back and make sure everything yeah, because he definitely saw the Pope speaking Italian, right? So, um, yeah, I was yeah. also I was really curious what the Pope was saying. I I saw a little clip where I think somebody translated that he had said something about it's bigger on the inside, like he was um, uh, <laughs> the like standard, a, the yeah, standard I, I think, spiel. <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff in Italian, and so I was curious what was actually being said. Um, yeah, I should have thought to look that up, but I didn't. I'm sure somebody has translated it online, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, going back to the random numbers thing, I enjoyed that because when I was learning to code, the very first program I ever, ever kind of put together for a class, of course, being being a gamer, I had some, you know, random number generators in there and I totally screwed up the process so that you got the same random number, well, same random numbers in the same order every time because it always started from the exact same yeah. seed, you know, and I mean... It's, well, you know, so I instantly, as soon as they start rattling off numbers, I'm like, oh, they're in a computer because computers can't really do random numbers. But when, uh, I, when <laughs> I was, uh, when I was younger, I, I, I didn't, I'm not at all a computer savvy person, but I did do a little bit of basics so I could make those stupid, uh, multiple choice games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do remember running into something like that with the random randomization of things. 
Um, yeah, I mean, you can make the nitpick that because you can work around that, it's like you would think this incredibly complicated simulation wouldn't have that flaw, but eh, whatever, I'll let it go because yeah, it was entertaining. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of wondering about that, but I, I was sort of thinking, well, it's a, it, it sort of works, and I don't know, like, what's the alternative to that? Like, you have, like, what's the break that you can find in the in the reality? <laughs> that was a pretty good one because it did some very interesting things. Like, in the scene where they're counting down, and I didn't notice this myself. Somebody pointed it out to me. But when I rewatched it, I was like, yeah, that definitely works. Um, yeah. The, the scene where they're counting down the explosion and they're also shouting out the random numbers, those two <laughs> ideas line up pretty perfectly. So, yeah exactly it's like i'm giving it a pass on any nitpicks i could make about the probably being able to make but, a better program but, but also the the whole so, so like early on in the episode he's like we know that people are all committing suicide whenever they read this veritas uh yeah book and and immediately i'm like like you're not going to be like what's going to make people commit suicide nothing you can't give me one like i was like fully committed to this there's nothing in the world that's going to make all these people commit suicide like this thing and i think this is possibly the one explanation that would would work for that do you know what i mean like i i still don't think everybody would immediately just kill themselves no. but you can see why people like if you realize that you're a simulation and that you're that the act of of you continuing to be simulated in this way is aiding people who want to take over the world. That's the yeah. important part. Yeah. yeah. You're basically a traitor to humanity every second you stay alive in that simulation. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I do think there would be a much longer deliberation period. Like, okay, yeah. we've done the shadow test. Maybe there's some other reason why these random numbers are coming up this way. Let's not, yeah. let's not put a bullet through our head just yet. But, but I, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a lot of times, Things like this will come up in the show and you'll be like, well, you know, that explanation doesn't really do it for me. I, I thought that this was a good explanation for that part of the story where you have priests and, and I think I forget the line, but he said like priests and and, and physicists are both, um, you know, killing themselves hmm. or, or both afraid. Why would that be? Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I no, it's it's great just to have an episode like that where it you know and it really sets up the future now we've got oh there's an alien invasion coming so it wasn't just uh, a thing on its own and uh yeah i mean i i i like too just the scene in the oval office because you know we actually had the characters you know we had the doctor and we had bill kind of dealing with the thing and it, it actually gave it some emotional weight too it wasn't all just you know ha trickery stuff they actually kind of had the characters, you know, examine it. And uh, also I liked, uh, oh boy, I'm blanking on his name, uh, the, the the bald guy. Um, Nardo. Nardo. Why can I never remember his name? But uh, I thought this was the best episode for Nardo so far. He actually seemed to have some personality this time. Though most of what we saw was just the simulation of Nardo. So who oh, knows how much of that, you know? yeah. Except yeah. That, for, that part in the beginning, though, I, I, they, he explained kind of why he was with the doctor. Um, and so, you know, that I think was from the real world. I think that was the, the real memory of... Uh, I think so. Yeah. That'd be it would be too twisty to have that be a yeah. fake memory that only occurred within the simulation. But I like that connection. I like that they're kind of they're. I mean, I hopefully I'm hoping that they don't bring River Song back. But I'm liking that everything that 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 uh, that him uh, 
what is it? Was Derillium the name of the planet that he was? Uh, he was on. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so, Derillium. So, 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 so that the time in Derillium is still having this impact on the on the show. So it wasn't just this thing that happened and then it's done. It's it's still kind of a, um, an event that matters. Um, yeah, and I like that. You know the how how they've been tying his character to the doctor and how we're kind of slowly getting pieces of everything, but it's not like, it's not some big mega revelation. It's just, we're slowly getting more info. Um, and it just kind of all works. It all seems to gel together. Uh, but also the, the, you know, again, they were simulations, but the fact that you did kind of have to deal when he, well, I'm going to spoil it. So if you, if, you know, people yeah. haven't seen the episode, stop. Here I think we may have already it. spoiled yeah. it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I'll put spoilers in the below the podcast thing. Sure. But um, yeah, in fact, the other day I was doing one of these podcasts and I said, I don't want to spoil it for people. So I'm not going to tell you this plot point. And then like eight minutes later, I keep, I just basically keep, you know, revealing, <laughs> you know, uh, through from different angles what had happened. Um, but uh, but the moment when he when he realized that he was a simulation and he put his hand in there and he died, that was pretty shocking. Um, yeah, because you didn't know if that was I thought that was the real Nardal being killed. I didn't re I didn't quite realize you know, that this was just the simulated version of, 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 of the characters. So, or that, you know, that there was a distinction to even be made there. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I thought, I thought too, when he put his hand in and it started to kind of disintegrate, I thought, you know, he, he would, like when he brought it back in the projector again, his hand would be okay again. But I, I didn't think like he would completely unravel when that happened. Uh, yeah, and I don't know. Was that him just continuing to push himself in, or was that because once you do that, you're sort of toast? Because that's kind of yeah. how Bill went too. So, I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. I I don't know. I uh, I I can't say what the actual uh, actual impulse was there. It, it, he didn't seem to push himself in, so I think it is just what happens. But and there were also there were some great lines in this episode, like the whole line about Super Mario. Um, I really, yeah. liked, um, you know, it's Super Mario realizing that he's real and killing himself so he doesn't have to keep dying. Um, I know, you know, I know. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard some people on the internet taking it too literally. They're going, they're saying all oh, video games are real. And I'm like, it's just, they're just making a, a metaphor here, people. Like they're not, they're not criticizing everyone that plays video games. Oh, that, yeah, I didn't. I didn't think that that's what they were doing. I mean, who, you know, who knows, you know, maybe if, maybe if they kept hammering that message home, like over the course of the next three episodes but yeah i, I didn't also also i think with a show like this um you know i think you're kind of a baby if you watch a show like this and it says <laughs> something you don't agree with and I you know. whine about it. do you know what i mean like like i watch a lot of shows where i either don't agree with the message or i think that or maybe i agree but i, th I think that the way that they're tackling it is just so overly simplistic or you know just doesn't you know, but you know, it's, it's a TV show. It's not like a, yeah. it's not a philosophical treatise. So, um, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm okay we're, with... we're, we're, you know, we're way past the point where video games are some upstart thing that only kids play that, you know, their parents are concerned about. It's like getting, getting worked up about it. It's like, no, nah, video games are just immersed through all of culture. Now you don't need to get defensive about it. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, you know, I mean, if people are, if they're, if they're, if, if, if people are calling for, you know, like act like, like save Mario, if there's like some yeah. actual campaign, you know, then I would be, I would be, uh, more concerned, but, uh, 
but yeah, no. I didn't, I didn't, I, yeah, I just saw it as more of a metaphor and I saw it, you know, just kind of as a, um, you know, sort of trying to tackle at what point, um, consciousness arises like that, you know, I thought I saw it was, it was, it was sort of, a, they were sort of questioning, you know, this, this idea of consciousness and, and when it would, you know, uh, you know, I was thinking more in terms of AI, do you know what I mean? Like at what point is something, is something aware of itself? And so, yeah, so I, I don't think that they were saying that, you know, is literally a problem, you know, of, of, uh, you know, we're morally responsible when Mario dies in the game, but no, I but we're, how we're, I what were the, com I, cause I, I, I haven't seen those conversations. So what have people been saying? I am actually kind of curious. Uh, I, they basically that, oh, I'm really angry that they're, you know, saying that we're really killing people in video games and that they're vilifying video gamers again. And why, when will they ever stop vilifying us video gamers? Oh, I uh, see. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a video game person. So I, so that, so when the whole Gamergate thing even happened, I wasn't even really paying that much attention. Um, but for me, it's just, it's, it's when people call f for specific things, then that's when I get concern i don't really worry about uh you know what some writer for a sci-fi tv show happens to say about about video games especially if it's you know i mean like no. i can't imagine that stephen moffat is a um an avid uh video game player at his age so uh, no you know. i i don't think he's he's an avid video game player and i don't think he's an anti-video game crusader yeah. either and, so <laughs> and the example they chose was super mario so you know <laughs> yeah i think i think yeah. they might have mentioned grand theft auto at one point but um yeah i think i think they did i i forget exactly but uh but yeah i i I, I'm not going to get worked up about that angle of the show. If people want to, by all means, go ahead. But it seems like a waste of energy. Yeah, and 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 I'm somebody. I'm all for you know, give me all the violence and bloodshed in the world in my media. But I just don't really get worked up when people you know comment on it. I guess. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah. So I don't know. But but I thought it was you know I saw that more as sort of like okay, where you know like. That the doctor at that moment was grappling with the fact that he was a simulation, and so I felt like it would be your natural impulse might be to say something like, you know, Super Mario feels pain. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, because he felt real in that moment, and so that's why he was saying that. You know, but in the end, maybe, maybe again, he was it was just a simulated. Uh, you know, maybe in their world, Super Mario does feel pain. They made the simulation so well. Well, not just but, that, but uh, maybe that doctor wasn't even feeling any of that. Maybe he was just a simulation of the doctor. That so that's true. You know, that's um, true. It's none of it is canon. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the other. So so that's what they're gonna have now. Now they can have all of these like uh, like the simulated Doctor Who radio episodes or whatever if they want to. <laughs> Uh, yeah that's right that's right but uh yeah it's it's uh no i i i i came across that on a a, a certain certain role-playing forum actually and okay. uh, <laughs> yeah, but, uh I, see that's funny because i'm on a bunch of role-playing forums and i uh I, I i have been sort of hankering for doctor doctor who discussion this season and i haven't uh -huh. seen a whole lot of it uh whereas last year last season i remember there being quite a bit um yeah this this was the first time i i actually have stopped in and looked at any forums uh this this season actually i i 
I, I, I can't really remember why I did because I was I was really exhausted. I've had a very busy week. I got home for some reason. I ended up on this forum. I'm like, oh, they're talking about Doctor Who, and I read about a page of them complaining about the video game thing. And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm done done with this discussion. Well, one of the, I I used to participate in those kinds of discussions a lot, but one of the things I realized was nothing you can ever say, no matter how brilliant about Doctor Who, is going to age well on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and if you get into an argument with somebody, that's just never going to age well. You know I mean? No, there's just, there's just no. no. So I, 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 I've learned to to be a lot less invested in those discussions if I do participate in them than when yeah. I, yeah, you know, yeah. you know, than three or four years ago. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, but I don't know the monsters in this. What do they have a name yet, or are they? Um, I don't think they've given them any any name at all. Yeah, they're pretty uh, generic at the moment. If I was going to say one one big weakness about the episode is that they the bad guys haven't made much of an impression yet. I mean they they're they're kind of I don't know, kind of like uh, the uh, the guys they had back in uh, season six that were uh, the Matt Smith era. What were those guys called? The uh, the silence, jeez. Okay, but those at least those had a, they had sort of a thing. Do you know what I mean? Like they had. I know. They I had know. Like a hook oh, I... That uh, that that was kind of like the Weeping Angel hook. Um, yeah, but these my ones... point is they're like the silence without the hook added yet. Yeah, it's kind of where they are right now. Yeah, these one these ones didn't. Uh, I I I don't know. Uh, I mean, they look like desiccated corpses. I I suspect, and and I think I I even. Uh, I think I might have heard something somewhere that somebody was saying there might be a Cyberman connection with these guys. Um, hmm. But I suspect that they might tie them to some other existing thing because they are kind of so generic looking that it's, I mean, it just doesn't seem like Moffat's style. Like he always has a very clear angle yeah. with any monster he creates. And these ones, they're not bad. They just don't, they, no. There's, no, there's no angle that you would expect with him. So. And it's fine. It's fine. It might be a good idea that they haven't given a lot about them because this was about discovering the simulation, about realizing they were in that there was this invasion. And then next episode, we can actually learn about these guys. So it might be a, a very, you know, deliberate choice not yeah. to actually tell us anything. The executioners at the start of the episode, do you know who those are supposed to be? I don't recognize them from any previous you know, new or old who, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't mean they aren't, but I, I don't think they're anything that's been around before. Okay. Um, cause there is that, what's the organization that's in charge of law in the, you remember there, there's the, um, Oh, the, uh, there were the, oh man, the, uh, I've I got can't... the, almost got the name the, the rhinoceros looking guys, the Jadoon, that's what yeah. they're called. I was wondering if maybe they were connected to, to that group, but this, they don't look like them. There's no, this, this looked very different, but it seemed like a natural extension of their their whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, they 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 do have a similar premise. I, I, I well, I on, honestly, I also got a vibe of uh, the uh, uh, Book of the New Sun series by uh, by Gene Wolfe, where you've got the Torturers Guild in there that just is this guild that specializes in torture and, and execution, but uh, it's just very professional and you know unemotional about the whole thing so i don't know if that was a a gene wolf reference there at all or you know but but yeah that's that's kind of getting outside the whole who universe there 
But I mean, even then, maybe you know, sometimes there are nods to things. So if it could have just simply been a nod to to something like that, um, yeah, it didn't necessarily. Have, but also, just because that that I found that scene interesting. Um, but do you trust Missy? Do you? Do, um, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> I mean, no. There's there's no. I mean, that's there's there's no reason at all to trust her. I mean, I I can't think of any time. She's she's really proven herself to be trustworthy. I mean, but <laughs> because we don't know why she they didn't ever said why she was being executed, right? I mean, we can assume she's done a lot of yeah. things, but they but they didn't give the specific reason. And the no. last we saw her, she was with the Daleks, right? And she had a brilliant idea. Yeah, the la- yeah. The last moment was, "Oh, that gives me an idea." And that and and then she mentioned that the Daleks were aware that the doctor had, you know, was with River Song. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, and so, cause that's where the rumor came from. Uh, so, so I'm just wondering how much of all, like, okay, what if, what if the whole invasion is like a distraction from that Missy engineered? Do you know what I mean? Is that, yeah, no, that's, that's possible. Cause if it's going to lead to him letting her out, obviously that makes sense that it would be part of her plan to, to get out of the vault. But, uh, yeah, but uh you know, I do have to say it's it's funny uh speculating on, you know, the the Daleks basically gossiping about the doctor's love life though. That's uh that's that's a scene I'd like to see that that ended up on the cutting room floor. No, but, but, uh, but also you have to wonder how much like is, is she just humanizing the uh the exchange? <laughs> like I I don't the the, goss, the 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 Daleks don't seem like a gossipy bunch to me. Um oh. though I think they do, you know, they they certainly would be concerned about what the doctor's doing. So, um, Oh yeah, of course. But, but of she course. did the way she described it. It's like they're, you know, they're, 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 they're having chit chat about the doctor's, uh, you know, fling with, 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 with river song. Um, yeah. she's engaging a little personification there, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so, but I don't know. I, I, I liked, I liked that whole back cause that thing, they sprinkled it through the whole episode and it gave the episode like this nice solid base. I felt like, yeah. um, and also I liked the, the scene with bill on the date I thought was pretty well done in terms of like mm-hmm. comedic beats, like, you know, the, and, and also it was like, I, you know, I think, I think a lot of people were kind of, you know, like, like were wondering how they were going to handle that aspect of bill's character. And it could have definitely gone too far in any number of directions. And I thought this was a cool way to, 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 to bring that into the scene because you because the whole the whole thing with the pope and her like assuring the girl like, <laughs> like, like no you know, like we're not there's nothing wrong with what we're doing and then like you know, the pope shows up it's like the the worst possible thing that could could happen in that moment and also the fact that again i think that really hammers home how this was just like a heightened reality this was not something that even in a regular doctor who episode i don't think that there would be that much synchronization between everything did it just was, yeah it was too yeah. tightly wound um <laughs> and so i thought that was i don't know i just i like the episode for all it it, it was kind of like um the reason what was the episode the second to last last season i always forget the name um uh the uh yeah the one where he's he's punching through the wall yeah uh, but that one was a very tightly like everything about that episode was very sort of tightly wound and this episode had something of that in it as well i think 
I, I agree. I agree. It was it was very well paced. It uh like well like I said earlier. I mean there was just one moment of frustration and it was it was timed right at the point they were going to give me the payoff. So that's that's a sign of a good of a good episode in my opinion. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean it, you know and I think too you know obviously we we're talking earlier about the I think I think the it was good they set up the first Missy flashback. Um, after the scene where he receives the message at the vault, if I've got the episode right, am I correct? So it's not it's not the doctor in a hallucination that's, that's thinking about this. It's the doctor that was sitting outside the vault that got the email at the beginning of the episode. So yeah, we're basically. Kind of, I think we're. I mean, I think the idea was they're obviously playing a little bit fast and loose with um, point of view. I'm assuming, but I think we're yeah, they are. seeing what he saw in the in the in the email essentially but i mean again obviously there's there's some point of view things that are uh uh a little yeah there. yeah but uh yeah exactly but it's uh huh but yeah the uh the, the missy angle she's she's definitely not trustworthy she uh but yeah it's it's the thing is you have no idea what she's up to i mean at this point the master's just there to mess with with people and she 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 missy just doesn't have any any agenda beyond messing with the doctor as far as i can tell okay because i'm wondering if she orchestrated everything from her execution to her being put in the box to what, what did they call that it had a very unique name um the vault or no, but they gave the... it a name in the uh oh, on the planet. Yeah, i almost yeah. thought they said like a like phone like i thought i, I thought the word phone was in there um yeah, I, I should have uh, should have taken note of that, but I, I don't remember. It was was so early in the episode. Um, but either way, I thought that I thought that the whole thing might be part of some overarching scheme that she has going. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. but again, I mean, maybe not. Maybe the big surprise is that she is she here in this episode, and and that the that the other master, the uh, the the sim master, is going to be. Um, uh, you know, uh, the the real enemy. Um, yeah, that's that's a possibility. Or you know, or or they'll flip it the other way. It's like she'll be the real enemy and he'll show up to save the day. But <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. You know, you said that rumor about her the, the Cybermen being somehow possibly involved with these uh, new aliens, and I don't. I'm a little doubtful of that just because they already did the Cyberman Missy plot two seasons ago. And it, it, I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird for to go back to that again. Yeah. But maybe it's because I don't want them to, because I didn't really like the end of that plot a whole lot. Yeah. I, I, I would, th that was definitely the weaker season I thought with, um, mm -hmm. with Capaldi. But, um, I think, I think what people were saying, the reason people are saying it is because I guess there's the, what are they? The, 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 the Mundasians. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But the the ones like the really old Cybermen with like the cloth masks, that yeah. Capaldi said he wanted to show back show, return to the show, and people were saying, well, if you just put those cloth masks over the, the <laughs> these guys, you know, it's 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 sort of, you can sort of see the uh, the resemblance. Um, yeah. But again, that might just be a an illusion to them, not like an actual we're going to bring them back. But I would kind of agree with you. I I don't think that. I mean, they might bring back the Cybermen in the same way that like the Daleks come back every, <laughs> every, every other yeah. season. But uh, I, I kind of want to see a new threat here. I think mm -hmm. I think it would be more interesting, and I almost want to see a threat that's not 
not too smart for its own good. Do you know what I mean? Like I, uh, yeah, like like Moffat's great at coming up with really smart monsters, and it's it, and I enjoy Weeping Angels. I enjoyed the Silence, but I think sometimes something a little bit more, a little more vanilla, can sometimes serve your purpose is just fine so yeah you don't need he, he tends to get too clever yeah. but i will say you know bringing up the daleks again i think i think moffat has positioned the daleks really well in the show because during the the russell t davies era it was like every time the daleks showed up the daleks had some plan that was going to completely take over the universe or something and they, they it was absolutely imperative that they absolutely be destroyed and then they'd have to contrive a reason why, hey, they weren't really destroyed. They're back and they're all going to destroy everything. And they, it kind of had that cycle going where it was like, it's too much. And it's like, well, also, I think Moff did a good job of making the, making the Daleks just a steady threat in the background that are scary that just exist. What, what I didn't like about the Davies era was there was that great, I think the episode was called Dalek. There was this great episode called That was Dalek. great. Yeah. yeah. And every appearance of the Daleks after that completely undermined that episode. You know, uh -huh. like, the, like that it just lost all of its power because the next week the the daleks were back you know it's it's sort of like the the whole thing with the time lords coming back didn't undermine uh the 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 start of the new series where his whole thing is he's you know like the yeah. last of the time lords because it took so long to get to this point and it was like a big revelation but the daleks yeah. just was just like you know we got daleks coming out of our ears and uh you know yeah, it it. I mean, well, you know, in, in making them, by 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 having them come out in such huge numbers in the end of the season, having them all get wiped out, you know, during that first first season of the new show, it's like, okay, you just established that one Dalek is the scariest thing in the world. Did you need to have like a million Daleks that, attack the Earth and then have them all get like, boop, they're beaten? No, and that <laughs> was sort of the thing. That's why da the the. The Dalek, that episode was so great because you were you were terrified of this one Dalek, and then yeah. suddenly five Daleks don't match this one Dalek as a threat. You know, and that was sort of where you know you kind of needed, and and that wouldn't have mattered if there had been like five years of space. If you would if if you had just created mm -hmm. a time gap so that that episode had its time to kind of radiate, yeah, and then and then bring them back, and you can have five Daleks equal that one Dalek. It's fine. Um, but also it kind of, it kind of jumped the shark, I think with the, um, well, I forget what they were called, but remember they brought the, like the blue and the green and the red, uh, yeah, yeah. it was like the upgraded doll. I forget what they called them, but it was like, a they were using whatever term we were using at the time to describe like your latest software patch. That was, it was like Dalek 3.0 or something. Um, yeah, no, I, I have a theory on that episode actually, because Moffat didn't want to do anything with the Daleks. Uh -huh. His feeling was, you know, Davies, you know, he, he ran that into the ground. Let's let the Daleks lie fallow. And the BBC really leaned on him because they sell a lot of Dalek toys and said, you've got to put Daleks in this season. And so my feeling is when he created those multicolor day glow you know, iMac Daleks, it was him going, oh, you want toy Daleks? Here's your toy Dalek oh, line, buddies. I think that was I think that was just Moffat just, you know, giving the finger to the BBC for making him stick Daleks in there. Which, you know, whether you find that funny or whether you get angry that he was messing up the Daleks, like, you know, varies. But uh <laughs> Okay, okay. I, I mean, but that's I mean, my, that's purely my theory. That's just what I thought watching because I'd already I'd already heard the rumors about him not wanting them and them wanting the toys, and it's like, oh, it's toy Daleks. 
Okay. But, uh... Yeah, one in every color. <laughs> and and then when they did bring them back again, they they were all sort of monochrome in the and the and the multicolored doll. I think there was like one in the background at some point, but they really yeah, uh, they did bring one back yeah. there. But uh... Uh, it, it's it's just hard to take Daleks seriously when they look like my D10 dice pool, like you know when they're sort of like all you know these bright you know bright yeah. colors it's uh well what they do look like actually the doctor who movies from the uh 60s that peter cushing played the doctor and that they had the multicolored daleks going in that if i recall oh did they? okay see i haven't seen that that's that's the that's just like that one-off movie that they made right there, there's two actually yeah they made uh they made one where which is kind of a, a retelling of the uh the, the original dalek story where they go to scaros mm-hmm. And then the second one is the Dalek Invasion of the Earth movie. But, uh, and that's not been considered a... canon, though, right? No, they are not canon. For one thing, the Doctor is a human in those. He's okay. like some, he's, a, he's an eccentric old grandpa who invented a time machine in his backyard. And, you know, it's, it's, oh, so it's, like it's, a, it's almost like an alternate plot line. Yeah, okay. And that's a shame because yeah. Peter Cushing really would be such a great person to have as, like, the, you know, one of the doctors. It's, yeah. you know, the. Um, you know, he's, he's kind of built for that sort of role. Um, yes, but yeah, the interpretation they went with the doctor, I didn't feel played the Cushing strengths the best because he is just the, the, the kindly old grandpa type, which is, which is weird because the, you know, he's playing a storyline from the first doctor and the first doctor is the really kind of paranoid, yeah. sneaky doctor. <laughs> well, and Cushing, I mean, a lot of people think, cause he's, he's, you know, he has plenty of those old kindly grandfather roles. If you ever see interviews with him, he's a really sort oh, of yeah. gentle man. But but I remember there was a version he, he was in like a bunch of different versions where he played Dr. Frankenstein, I think. But one mm-hmm. of them, he was like a supreme asshole. He, he, he uh-huh. was just a real jerk. Um, and it really makes the movie. It's like you don't even you're not even focused on the monster. You're focused on Jesus Christ. This guy is a jerk. Um, so he, he, he can bring both of those things. Oh, he really can. Well. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I think, like I said, I don't think there was anything wrong with his performance. It's just that it feels weird because he's, he is essentially playing, you know, a storyline of the first doctor who's so different that it, it felt wrong to me that he was doing the, you know, kindly yeah, he looks like the first version. doctor, right? Like he's got the same kind of. Yeah, they look they look similar enough that I can see why they 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 cast him for that. But uh, maybe yeah, they could it, tie it back with the simulated reality one. You know, like that would be the <laughs> <laughs> that that would that would be a very Moffat trick to like bring bring the the movies into the canon somehow. But uh, yeah, but we'll see if he can pull that off in the remaining episodes. But yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, but and we uh, are hey, getting the, the first Doctor. Uh, at the Christmas special, they said so. Yeah, well, he can he can pull out the CGI Peter Cushing from the last Star Wars movie, bring him in. So since they, <laughs> yeah, I suppose they could do that, or or they could just get somebody else to sort of be the uh, you know be that doctor, I suppose, um, if they need the human touch. I don't know if yeah. CGI. I don't know if, something. I think a CGI'd version might not not. I think you can only get so much mileage out of that for a television uh, program. I, yeah, I'm not too serious about wanting the CGI version back. I mean, it, I, you know, I can deal with it in uh, in in Rogue One. It's like that's okay, and I, 
I'm not as I'm not outraged about it like some people, but you know, I yeah, I don't. They 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 already they already did the cool trick of having the first Doctor, you know, show up briefly in one episode. That was that was enough. So I have not seen Rogue One yet. I'm actually planning to 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 rent it or buy it this month. But um, okay, it, uh, how does the CGI? come off in that because a lot of people were saying it was flawless but i'm still having trouble imagining that it would be i yeah it's not flawless definitely not i mean the peter cushing one works better than the uh the carrie fisher one i'll say that and uh, the carrie fisher one it feels so unnecessary too because the way they set her up it's like they, they they have it for a bit where it's like you can see her and you know who it is but you can't see her face and they mm. show her face it's like you didn't need to show her face you could have just you know, trust us to go, oh, it's Princess Leia. But okay. They, they, they got, you know, with the Peter Cushing part, they needed to actually show him. So, but yeah. I, they yeah, could have I just felt... got that guy that they used in um, Revenge of the Sith at the end. Remember they had that guy that was wearing, I think he was wearing makeup to make him look like Peter Cushing. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, he was at the uh, the guy, uh, Scorpius in uh, Farscape. And uh, he was... He played one of the best villains in like a TV series ever in Farscape. And so when I heard he was playing, you know, Moff Tarkin in Revenge of the Sith, I was so excited. I'm like, oh, he's going to make an amazing Moff Tarkin. And then you just and then see just... him standing <laughs> yeah. there. I was like, you squandered him. There, well, you there, squandered there was, him. There's so much wrong with that. And like, I don't want to crap on on revenge of the sith because i know that That's, you know i could do that, that for hours yeah, yeah. and also just there's been enough discussion on that but one exactly. of my disappointments was that was that final uh sequence of scenes where where you just you know that the whole frankenstein uh homage and stuff like that that just didn't ever quite work for me um, not at all but all. uh but but I do think I do think it's good that and I know this has nothing to doc, do with Doctor Who, but I do think it's good that they are kind of salvaging aspects of the of the of the of the prequels rather than just completely disregarding them. Do you know what I mean? Because they still happen, whether people I agree. like them or not, I, and and some people do like them. Um, but also, I think it's it's it like for example, they could CGI Ben Kenobi, or they could just bring Owen McGregor in and. That would be fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, yeah. if they if they need to bring Kenobi back for whatever reason, as a Force ghost or something, um, or as a flashback, um, you know, they they have him to draw. They have the actors from the prequels that they can bring in uh, if they if they need to. Yeah, and they like I said, they they have done a pretty good do- job of redeeming some of the aspects because like my nephews watch that Star Wars Rebels cartoon, so I see that when I'm watching them, and. And it's like they, they've actually made Darth Maul into like a compelling character, you know, and it's like. Well, and also how much of that is like you like. So your nephews, when they watched um, the prequels, did they like them or did they were they kind of like. They, well, they liked They liked, honestly, the, the first one because, you know, they were pretty young when they saw it. They were, you know, seven, seven and, and four at the mm-hmm. time they watched it. And they thought, oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, they just, you know, they're little kids. But uh, yeah, they they didn't didn't like Revenge of the Sith so much. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I yeah I uh, I I got credibility because you know they were they were nervous about taking them to see the Force Awakens because they really want to see the Force Awakens and they're like well we don't know if that's safe 
And I was the one that told them not to show the kids Revenge of the Sith at that age. I'm like, don't. That's yeah. That they're not going to be happy with that. And okay. uh, and and they showed it anyway. And after that, when I said it is safe to say Force yep. Awakens, I'm like, remember, I did warn you. <laughs> was it the scene? Was it the scene when he kills the uh, the younglings and the? Uh, What's well, that? And just having Anakin all burned up at the end. I mean, oh, you know yeah, the yeah. thing. The thing to hear, I'll make one complaint about the prequels and then I'll shut up because I don't hear this one enough, which is that it bothered me that, you know, when the first one came out, he Lucas defended it going, well, it's just a kid's movie. You know, it, it's, you know, maybe adults don't like it, but I'm just making movies for kids. And it's like, OK, you sucked this whole generation of children into thinking Anakin was this cool hero. And I want to be like, Anna, you know, I'm literally quoting my best friend's kid. I want to be like Anakin when I grow up. And then you lead them down the path to watching him get like burned in lava and get all his limbs cut off when he turns oh, evil and gets demonized, you know, and it's like. I mean, what, what I, are you doing with I honestly, that? Lucas? I don't know if I have a problem with. It. I kind of like that. <laughs> I kind of like that because I've never seen. I've never thought of the prequels in that way because I saw them as an adult who had the full context of who Anakin is in his head. But now you're walking me through, sort of like I'm a kid and I'm a, I'm 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 seeing Anakin for the first time as a hero and and yeah. and I'm I'm emulating Anakin and I'm. And then and then I and then I'm starting to have doubts as I'm watching Revenge of the Sith, and I'm like, whoa, wait, yeah, that 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 I find kind of, I think I'm kind of okay with that actually. <laughs> well, it's it's weird. It's it's uh, it's got this weird concept in their head though, because a lot of kids don't pick up on the fact that he's evil. It's just mm. he gets, you know, killed, and so you you you've got this. They've got they got like weird ideas about the Sith being the good guys sometimes. <laughs> okay, okay. See, well, but I, mean, I don't I know. It's, with the, it's with interesting. the new movies, aren't they kind of going that direction? They're not making the, the Sith good, but they're kind of going more of this balance type approach. I think to uh, they might be. It's yeah. it's hard to say where they're going with the new ones exactly, yeah. but because uh, when Star Wars came out when we were kids, I mean, Vader was clearly evil, and the Dark Side yeah, was clearly yeah. bad. Um, that's, I, I'm a little bit on the fence with that idea. I sort of get what they're doing, but I feel like it undermines like the, do you know what I mean? It's sort of like, eh, I don't know. I, 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 uh, but with the, with the prequels, the one thing I, there was a deleted scene in the first one where they show Anakin beating the crap out of some other kid. I think he's, in fact, I think whatever Greedo was, what was what kind of alien? Oh was yeah, it was, yeah. It was, it was like a baby version of one of those. Uh, for all, it was probably Greedo. It's probably Greedo, how, knowing, Lucas, knowing how yeah. Lucas was doing things. But he beats the crap out of him, and and Lucas said the whole point of the scene was to show that Anakin had a temper. And I thought they should have kept that scene in for that reason because yeah. the whole first movie is just this cute boy, and then the second movie you kind of start getting tastes of it. Uh, it will be more than kind of, but. Uh, but I, I, I felt that that was a, a scene they should have kept in. And I felt that the turning to the dark side would have worked better if he were, um, if it were more a product of his anger than an elaborate plot to keep Padme alive. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it just it just made him a chump. I mean, he, he basically he just got tricked, you know. I, I to give you that the head cannon I had in my kid, the head cannon I had as a kid growing up, it was. You know, I always saw that that Vader was this guy who grew up during the Clone Wars, which are these terrible wars, and he didn't want war anymore. He just wanted things to be peaceful. 
and he was willing to like go with tyranny because we're going to keep the peace. He does, okay. you know, he doesn't want a re- he doesn't want a rebellion. He just wants everything to calm down. But uh, you know, so I thought that 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 would give him like some interesting. But shading. that's a much more adult. Vader. Oh, I like know. The, the the Anakin that, that we were getting was obviously the much younger, uh, you know, more emotional uh, type character. But yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that working. Um, I think. I think again, maybe. It, but the but the starting point of the prequels is him as a kid. So yeah, um, yeah. Well, of course, that's not going to feed into that at all. But yeah. uh, or it can. But I mean, it would be so. You know, it's a lot of years to sort of work through to get to that point. I think. Like, I, if they had if they had done something like the first one is when he's a kid, and Revenge of the Sith is the second one, and then do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Then you you, you that that might have been manageable. Um, yeah, but the uh, the real protagonist of the prequels, whatever their intentions were aside, it's really about Palpatine's plot and what Palpatine does because Anakin is just kind of being duped by him the whole time. Yeah. And everything Palpatine does works. It's just like boom, 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 boom. It's a character who never takes a misstep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no, you know, there's no uncertainty in the story, really. But he's the bad but, guy. So isn't that sort of OK if the bad guy's? I guess. I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like even if your bad guy, if your bad guy is the one driving the entire story and he wins, I I still feel like there should be some point of reversal. Like, you know, maybe maybe there was some point where, where, you know, Padme as a senator could have turned it all around, but it all went horribly wrong or something that okay okay i don't know now I mean, we're, now I, i'm getting into rewriting the story yeah though, we, we which, should we know. could be at it all the, i i i guess uh kenobi is also like one of the few he's the he's like a mainstay through the whole yeah the whole set of prequels he's not he's definitely not he doesn't have the feel of being the protagonist but he's no uh, we, and, we, and he's mcgregor is one of the few people that acted in it too so which was nice yeah and i guess padme herself she was in you know she, she's a sort of fully realized character in the first one too because i think the problem uh-huh. with starting it with anakin as a boy is he's not really a character yet he's a kid and you don't really feel that connection when you get to the second movie it feels like it's now a new character almost because he's 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 now in, he's like i don't know how old he was supposed to be in the second movie but going from yeah. that young age to whatever he was it's a big jump and so he's basically a different person by that point um, yeah and so yeah uh, but again i mean i i don't necessarily begrudge the prequels that i think it's okay if the prequels if the prequels <laughs> no no so here's the thing i liked the first movie actually i uh-huh. i enjoyed the with with the exception of the pod race i like yeah the that was the, the, movie. the low point and, and, and jar jar binks I liked uh-huh. the epic scope that they were going for with that one. It felt like a big giant war movie to me. And mm-hmm. I think where the where I sort of had some difficulty with the prequels was they did that and then they shrunk it down in the second and the third one. Do you know what I mean? So then it was like yeah. back to now we're going to focus on this group of characters kind of a thing. Uh, yeah. It doesn't quite feel as, as grand. Um, like the first one, I think, I think Lucas even said it himself, but it kind of felt like more like War and Peace, like that sort of, you know... Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it might have been more interesting if they had kept that, you know, that scale. It was almost like you know the 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 illustrations of of you always see like the the I forget what they call them the conceptual art for the yeah. first movie, and you have these big giant spacecraft and these little tiny people. I felt like the first movie was like that, like you have these little tiny people yeah. against this grand backdrop, and I was kind of okay with that. Um, yeah, no, I there there's things to like. I 
You know, the first movie, I think the one the one big problem I have with the first movie, you know, once again, I'm getting into like story structure and stuff, but I I didn't like the fact that, you know, when you watch the original trilogy, you get the sense, oh, Obi-Wan chose to train Anakin and it all went wrong. And that was like, that's that's the, the sin that Obi-Wan is atoning for in that movie. But then they add this Qui-Gon guy into Phantom Menace, who's the one who really recruits Anakin and it like leaves it as a debt you know it's like oh you've got to train this kid now and so it's like it meant that the big Obi-Wan's big thing he did of choosing to train Anakin never happened and it's like you you let him off the hook okay that's that's an interesting point um yeah I suppose see what I liked about Qui-Gon Jinn and again I'm 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 just as critical of the prequels probably as you so I'm I'm, I'm, oh yeah but but um but what I liked about Qui-Gon Jinn was I felt he gave Obi-Wan context like you, mm-hmm. you know, because Obi-Wan's got to have a master. And when we meet Obi-Wan, he's very young. And so, yeah, uh, yeah, no, so, I, I don't I don't I don't mind him existing. It's just him being the one that, you know, the, the you know, it would have been better almost if, if Qui-Gon was the one that was wary of training Anakin and, oh, and then and Obi-Wan and did put, it, you know, and, and, and Obi-Wan was sort of pushing for it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a little, it's a, it's a little. I suppose it is a little late now for us to do our rewrites of the, uh, of the. Pre- yeah, exactly. The, the, but, the... Um, but I don't know. But but you did say something interesting about story structure. I think one of the things that uh, that I've talked in the in the Wusha um, podcast that we've been doing. One of the things that I've sort of been noting is one of my frustrations with a lot of uh, a lot of movies that come out of Hollywood and stuff is they all follow a very clear story structure there's all i agree very, with that yeah, too. Like yeah. big, big, and in fact i remember I, I read a couple of books on screenplay writing and they all kind of tell you the same thing mm-hmm. and 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 it's not like they're telling you this because it's a, it's necessarily a magic formula that aligns with um uh what we what we need as an audience it's it's more that this is what's worked i think and so this is why we're doing exactly it. and, it's well and, well the thing is you have all those corporate suits in hollywood who aren't very creative and if they, you can hand them a template they can use to judge a screenplay and oh well you know and give notes based on this basic template it makes makes those people very happy so well and, and i think um one of the things i noticed with with wuxia movies is they don't follow that template a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. sometimes they do sometimes they don't it doesn't and maybe they're following another template that i just haven't i, I haven't really uh figured out you know and i'm not just talking about wuxia movies i'm talking about like pretty much anything from hong kong or any 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 of any any country outside any place outside of hollywood um but uh, but in particular right you know you see uh, there were so the one of the movies that we we talked about was was golden swallow and it was a uh, uh, so you know sort of a typical uh, you know sort of movie where you have this this hero who's who's uh, who's hell bent on going out in a blaze of glory, and the movie is building up to this final duel at the end, and they they build up to the duel and they have the duel. The duel happens. The guy is mortally wounded, and it's perfect. You could end the movie there, and it would be wrapped up in a nice bow. There would be no problems. It would it would look great on a shelf, and then. Yeah the you hear this rumbling and the and the hero puts his head to the ground almost like tonto and the lone ranger it's like that kind of a thing and yeah and it's really like a striking shot 
and he realizes that that the enemies that that they've been accruing over the course of the movie are now marching <laughs> up onto the hill and he's got to face them alone and it's this whole other sort of like mushroom cloud of a climax you know it's like it's like the it's like we just had the big duel and then boom this other thing comes in and and you wouldn't really get that in like a um in in most hollywood movies uh no. cuz it would violate that structure which is almost sacred um and but here it's like wow like like there's something else happening and it's incredible and and it's and it's and it's one of the best endings of any of these movies what they do what they do with that last 10 minutes is amazing um yeah see and that's just to be clear when i'm not i'm not someone that's like a purist about story structure and stuff has to adhere to it I, I just feel like when you do step outside the lines, it's good to do it for a reason. You know, whereas I feel like with the Phantom Menace and the whole Qui-Gon thing being the one that picked Anakin, it's like, well, for one thing, you're contradicting the original movies. Mm-hmm. And secondly, you're you're not using a more traditional story structure and it doesn't work. Like what you're describing is unexpected and it's fantastic. I love it when movies don't use the standard story structure, yeah. but... You just have a higher burden when you do well, that. Well, oh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. I was actually not even like disagreeing with you. I was just sort of building off. You mentioned story structure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, because yeah, it's sort of like it's the idea of uh, like I've seen Quentin Tarantino mention this in interviews where he says you, when you know you kind of want to know that you're in good hands when somebody is doing things that are unexpected. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if if somebody's exactly. going to do something really unorthodox, it, it's you want to be in good hands. You don't want to you don't want to have like a chump sort of you know just just throwing stuff against the wall to see if it sticks you want them sort of knowingly doing what they're doing um and so obviously that scene is playing on the expectation that the film is going to have this climax and then whoa something new is happening Um, yeah it's it's that you need you need to know the rules before you can break the rules kind of thing and uh i i feel like yeah it's just i i just get annoyed when i feel people are just not even you know being oblivious to the rules (laughs) But then, but again, I think um, I, I feel like the problem with the prequels is more that they changed the rules midway through. That they were in the first movie, they had there was a I felt there was a clear sense of direction in that first movie, where mm-hmm. like I said, it was like this is like a I mean it's not what I was necessarily expecting, but it's like a clear sort of thing. And then I think they realized that didn't land as well as they yeah. wanted, and they shifted. And I I think that so. And I think that's why you have things like the machete structure that people use, because the first movie feels so weird compared to the yeah. next two. Um, so I know I'm yeah. probably wrong because if they did if they did it if they did that three times in a row, maybe people wouldn't you know people's opinions of the prequels would be lower. Um, but I kind yeah, of well, it's I, I I mean I get your point about about the. Uh about the change in tone because because honestly a lot of people are like oh well revenge of the sith is actually pretty good and phantom menace is terrible and i kind of go the other way i think i think phantom menace is better than revenge of the sith but uh yeah so uh, yeah i i think it's a very individual thing and Mm -hmm. and i'm very hesitant again i was hesitant to have the whole conversation because i know a lot of people who love the prequels i know a lot of people who hate them and everything that's been said has been said already sure uh but my my yeah, my feeling of it is I actually the one that I had, that I had the best reception to was the Phantom Menace when I saw that in the theater. I I enjoyed that and 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 I and I and I, and I wasn't I didn't feel like it was a letdown. The one that I felt that I didn't enjoy was the middle one actually was um, 
uh, uh, what was Attack, it? Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. I didn't enjoy that one. Revenge of the Sith I actually liked with, with you know, my, my quibbles about how he, uh, how he ended up going evil. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, and, and, and yeah, Revenge of the Sith did have a lot of interesting stuff in it. It just lost me so much by the end, though. But well, uh, and and my my opinions have shifted a lot over the years. But just my initial reactions, Phantom Menace, I reacted very positively to um, mm-hmm. the the Attack of the Clones. I think it was the scene. Was it on Naboo where they had the sort of the love, the moment of of, of love? I um, think that was on Naboo. Yeah. Um, Whatever, wherever that's that, that was the the scene that I remember really um, uh, pulling me <laughs> out of the movie in a big way. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, that's almost like two movies because you've got kind of the whole Obi Wan movie with him investigating, you know, the whole clone that situation. That was cool because that reminded yeah. me of that was like Caves of Steel type, uh, you know, yeah, science fiction that I was fine with. Um, it was, you know, what it, you know what it was. I think. Again, I, I I didn't even want to be having this conversation, and I'm not a I I'm not know. a big fan. We we, but, we apologize but, to the listeners. But, uh, we can't help ourselves. But but I, I I think a lot of it, maybe not the acting, but like the the acting and the combination of that with the directing of the actors, just in key moments of the movie, it did. Like if you go back and you watch the original Star Wars, as goofy as some of that dialogue looks on paper, it all works. It all like, yeah. And it's not just because I've seen it a million times. It works the first time I saw it. It works now. Uh, the actors somehow inject like, I don't know, something into it. There's like a lightheartedness that they inject into it that makes it work. And, mm-hmm. and some of the, some of the crucial scenes with him and her just, you know, uh, just don't, I don't know. They just they just they just don't have the impact. I guess. Um, no, there's no real chemistry to it. There's not any. It's it's just not a not an interesting love story in any way. And, but, and, uh, and I've seen movies where they're both totally fine in other roles. So that's why sure. I don't think it's like the actors. I think it's like the the combination or the the you know something. I don't know the the AC unit that day of filming. You know, <laughs> you know, just... Yeah, I mean, direction makes a big difference. Having done acting, I mean, if you know, the, the, just how much rehearsal time you had. There's there's so many things aside from the actor's skill. I mean, granted, if you're the best actor in the world, a lot of times you can pull pull a good performance out of anywhere. But but most people they're they're dependent on a lot of outside circumstances. Okay. Yeah, because I would think if you're an actor, the biggest danger is starting to second guess yourself. Like, and I mm-hmm. can see the director being a big cause of of that second guessing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, with the with the prequels, do so much of it. You know, especially in the third movie, was all shot just on the one little ten foot by ten foot green screen platform that <laughs> the you know people just weren't weren't into it at all maybe that was it maybe the way it was shot had something to do with that that if they were if they were all on green screen i could see that sort of you know that's like playing a role-playing game and having like family members in the other room eating dinner or something you know it could be a distraction to uh to to the actor's immersion in the role exactly exactly it's it's uh no i I mean, yeah, it, you have you because I mean, in the first movies, the original series, everything was these huge practical sets. You had those to react to, and uh, 
But yeah, I mean, Terrence Stamp has a story about making them. It's like he was really excited to take the part because he wanted to work with Natalie Portman. You know, and he had a scene with Natalie Portman and he showed up for the day and he's like, where's Natalie? And Lucas just points this point piece of tape and said, that's that's Natalie there. Just kind of deliver your lines to the piece of tape and went and sat down. But I, I so <laughs> I've also there's another there's another way to read that, though, because I, I heard about that incident, too. And uh-huh. and, it, and the way that it was described to me and again, this was I don't know if this is true, but I always kind of thought that that was because he was maybe being a little bit creepy towards her and they didn't want her to that, be in the same that, room with that. her. Yeah. definitely is is a consideration i mean I, I thought it was pretty creepy Terrence stamping wow i was really looking forward to working with natalie portman but because because I, I could totally see george lucas being like i'm not putting them in the room together at the uh at the, at the healthy... <laughs> yeah well, let's 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 give lucas the benefit of the doubt and say he was averting a uh, creepy situation there <laughs> i'm okay with that but <laughs> he gets beat up enough let's let's give him that one yeah i mean i don't really i don't know i don't i i I, I don't uh, I don't blame him for for any of the uh, you know it's a movie it's a movie yeah and... I know I people to get like angry at Lucas it's like I, I I like to nitpick about movies I like to discuss what you could have done I like to just because I like movies I mean I I yeah it's like I I have no animosity towards Lucas he can do whatever he wants I'm I'm a little ticked off about you know, basically suppressing the original, uh, you know, addition to the movie that kind of irritates me. But even then, I'm I'm not going to like yell at him if I run into him about it. And that and that's a whole other topic of discussion: the cha- the changing of the uh, of the original. Because sometimes it's good. Sometimes having the movies restored really does help. Um, oh they, sure. If the if the image quality is deteriorated and all that, um, and sometimes it you know it, it can be sort of like well you added a. Uh, you know, why'd you add that? Like, like, like the one, a lot of the changes I don't mind. Like when they first put out, I think, um, they, they put out a new hope in the theaters in the nineties when they did like, they, they started adding a lot to it at that point. And yeah. some of the changes I really thought worked. Like I was like, yeah, like at the time I wasn't all precious about it. I was like, Hey, that's, that looks way more realistic, you know, add it in, add it in. But yeah, when, uh, yeah. when they did the, um, who is the, uh, I forget the name of the character, but that, that whole musical sequence in Jabba's Palace, the original song. Yeah. I, I loved that original song. Me and my cousin, Me too. we were musicians and we, you know, I think he figured it out on, you know, like we, we were really into it. <laughs> and, and then they did this whole weird, like Muppety. And I know that they were Muppets before, but this was really like. The difference sort of, between using Muppets and being Muppety. Yeah, They're and two they were looking entirely at the camera, separate things. And it, and it just felt all out of place. And it was like, well, you know, like, what's going on? Um, the, the, you know, that was a decision that I thought was just just completely bad in, in, every, yeah. in every conceivable way. That did, did, didn't add anything to the movie. It, 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 it ruined the song that existed before. And the previous song was actually pretty good. And, and then it was this, I don't know, this, this non-memorable... It's... Well, it's it's silly. It's like you're setting up Jabba's palace as this ominous, scary place everyone's going on to, and let's have a crazy cartoon number in there just to set but, the, set the mood. But even more than that, <laughs> the first song felt like a real song that a real band, yeah, some desert planet would put together and play, and the new song felt like it was one of these like you know how like when people, you know, I don't know how how you are into music, but when you listen to somebody who's almost too good at music theory and they make songs too easily, they start to sound too sort of just, you know, 
well, this is how it's supposed to be because of, you know, like, you know, the, this, this, this works. With I know this. that. I know yeah. that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and it, it loses that emotional weight that the previous song had. And so that's what, uh, what I kind of object to there, but, but I don't know. We, we've kind of completely gone off the, uh, original we have. subject. It's even a good episode and we still couldn't stay on topic, but Hey, that's our, that's, that's our specialty. Yeah. I think, um, I think we'll, I don't know. We're, we're trying to come up with a title for, for, for these, uh, I don't know what you would call them. These, these episodes on the podcast channel and, and it's, I guess we'll, we'll have to relate it to, to, to derailment in some way. That was the exact thought I was having. Yes. <laughs> so, so, right. so we've been going on for a while, so I'll end it here. And, um, uh, we'll be on, uh, we, I think we're going to do, we already did the arc in space, right? So we're going to do the, uh, Santaran experiment next, I think for uh, the classic doctor who, and, um, and I'll be on this week with lady Chow Fung. I think we're talking about the barefooted kid this thursday which is um kind of a remake of disciples of shaolin and then adam's gonna hopefully join us next week when we talk about the assassin so uh, mm -hmm. so we'll be back on and we will talk to you later <laughs>